Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter how's it going it's going we're rolling along excited i think you say we're rolling along every week well That's i your... mean really what else are you gonna do Just roll along That's you're right. right yeah yeah uh it's super fun week here in collingwood though we uh we got to do one of our first like in-person events in a really long time uh the gym that we both occasionally teach at active life had a women's cycling night uh, super cool to just see so many women in the community come out. We got to do some fun yoga stuff. We talked about bike fit, my favorite awkward topics discussion. Peter did some excellent uh, tire change tutorials. And yeah, it's just a really, really fun event. Yeah, it was a good mix of you know local vendors. There was uh, a couple of shops. There was you know some clothing companies. A couple, you know, we were there sort of from the coaching skill perspective side of things. Uh, who else was there? I guess some food. There was some, yeah. Yeah, food, nutrition, mi- strength. education. Just yeah, and then all new faces, right? Like not all new, I guess, but not everyone was a member of the gym. So yeah, just like a really good coming together, which was, was good. Good good for the soul. Yeah, and when we've done bike talks in the past, we often say like it's it's really less about the information that we're necessarily presenting and much more about the just the fact that women from or women and men depending on the the talk we're doing uh, are just getting together from sort of all different places and maybe they're people who didn't necessarily feel super comfortable walking into their local bike shop and just being like, "Hey, uh, where are you guys riding or is there a club or whatever?" Um, and those events kind of help get the community together and help people meet each other like we love hearing women you know talking about finding new ride people and by the time we leave if we hear women coordinating a ride like that's usually when we know that we've done a really good job with our our night Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh like forget forget book sales or forget like sat even saddle comfort like it's really about just that finding finding a community and today's podcast is actually really focused on that concept of of finding your community and where you sort of fit in in the sporting world. Uh, We have Verena Pelletier on. Uh, She is a Pilates and boxing instructor out in Vancouver. She's super cool. She's actually a community coordinator for RYU Apparel, uh, which is actually a really nifty clothing brand, uh, very athletic clothing. Um, But Verena and I met for another project I was working on. And as soon as I started talking to her about boxing, I was just like so into everything she was talking about. It was just such a fascinating conversation. Uh, Not only just the community that happens in a boxing gym, which is something that my sister and I found out in January uh, when we were testing out different boxing gyms, but also just the, the finding who you are and sort of almost like finding your voice in sport, I think was, was really big. Uh, she had started more as your traditional endurance athlete. Uh, she still rides her bike. She still runs and actually does like a lot of open water swimming. I asked her how she gets over the, the fear of open water swimming. So we, we do touch on some endurance sport stuff. But uh, boxing has been like a huge passion of hers for the last few years. And it's just a really fun conversation, sort of whether or not the whole boxing side of things interests you or not. I think just that idea of finding 
your community, like your local community that that feels really comfortable and right for you is just so, so important to both our, our mental and physical lives, I guess. And I think, you know, we're, you know, I guess bias or what we've found is, you know, cycling and running are, are you know, sports we enjoy. But I think we have to acknowledge, and that's really with consummate athlete, that's was our hope was that we'd expose, you know, everyone to different thinking, you know, yes, things can be transferred back to your sport, but also, oh, maybe, you know, I do like skateboarding or I do like uh, gymnastics or I do like boxing in this case, right? And not that you can't still ride a bike, but you might find that you are amazing at boxing or you really like that intensity or that group uh, activity or, or the motion, you know, just your body loves that motion. And with movement, that's the thing, right? It's like finding the thing that, you know, really jives. And I think sometimes we get, you know, our parents put us in baseball and that's all we ever know. Or, you know, we ended up in cycling because that's what we did in university or college. And then it's like, we don't necessarily give that a try. And I think as we become adult athletes, we're not trying to be elite or compete even that aggressively. We do have that option to, uh, I, I was going to say blossom, blossom's not what I want, but, uh, branch out. branch out, right. And try some other things. So it might be something like a gym, like active life we're talking about where you just go to, you know, group fitness classes, or it might be a boxing class, or I was just, I, and we have a squash courts that have been around forever in Collingwood. And I was like, I should go back and I used to love badminton. I remember in, in high school, I will a hundred percent go with you to squash. If I can just make Frasier jokes the entire time, <laughs> well, I'm going to yell really loud the whole time. I'm just going to quote Frasier. So there you go. So this is the idea here. And I, it was a great podcast for just learning, you know, different sports we can, uh, go out and try. Yes. And also I get to ask Verena the question I've been dying to know, which is when you get in the ring or, you know, you're doing your, your first sparring match, how do you actually punch someone in the face? Like not the, not the, how do you throw a punch, but like literally how do you like actively throw a punch with the intent of punching Stri- someone? Strikes me as it's probably not a first class thing. Oh no, it's not like the thing you do on your first class. You're right. But she's talking about actually like doing boxing matches. Oh, okay. And I'm just so curious about this because even when I was in my first boxing class, I just like the idea of actually throwing a punch with the intent of hurting someone was just so unfathomable. Just the way that especially women are are raised to be very passive and nonviolent. Like the Mm -hmm. idea of actually like putting a, like throwing a punch with some punch behind it. I don't know, power behind it, whatever. Uh, I, I think that would actually be my sticking point. I think I would just throw a bunch of little little tiny punches and yeah. not really. No, I would have damage. similar reservations. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be really difficult. So yeah, we, we get into that. So if you've been curious about how to actually punch someone, we talk about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Enjoy this episode with Verena. Karina, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I am so excited. We are finally getting around to doing this. I feel like yeah. the like minute I met you on a call a couple months ago, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman needs to come on the show and talk <laughs> about everything she's doing. Uh, you just had such a great energy about you as you were talking about boxing and sort of all things athletic. So uh, yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Super excited to be here and uh, yeah, excited to talk to you a bit more. I know we've chatted, yeah, previously, but I always love talking about my experiences with movement. Yeah. Um, And they seem very varied. Like at first I was like, oh, she just does boxing. And then I was like, oh no, it's boxing and Pilates. And then I'm looking and I'm like, oh, but she's also done a lot of other things as well. So what exactly is your 
athletic background? How did you get to where you are now? Um, I was, I would say I was always super outdoorsy and athletic growing up. I, uh, I, uh, would say my parents gave me that kind of outdoorsy movement bug really early. Um, both my mom and dad would always take us camping. We were always doing kind of outdoor activities, um, lived really close to a big park and we would always have, uh, great adventures and, talking about nature and discovering new cool things outside so being outside and moving has always been part of my life and um, I attribute that to my parents and you know they're now 75 and 72 and are out skiing the last day yesterday was the last day on the mountain they're both downhill skiing like that's just where I want to be when I'm their age so I look to them for inspiration every day. Um, but yeah, I started, I think, uh, really, uh, really excited about doing PE in elementary school and doing track, which is so funny, right? It's like, oh, I think some kids either dread it or some kids love it. And I loved it. Um, and it was a safe space for me. I think um, I was really, really self-conscious and really shy um and just yeah not not very confident when I was younger all through high school and I think movement gave me a little bit of reprieve from being um feeling uncomfortable in my own skin I think sometimes and um yeah I just I really loved being able to move with or without people whether it was a team or solo I felt a sense of freedom when I was moving and um, got into competitive sports fairly early. Um, would uh, got into uh, competitive swimming quite young. Uh, started on the swim team probably about maybe eight or nine, and swam competitively um, into the provincials up until about fifteen. And then I think. Uh, still competitive to this day but the, the competitiveness and the kind of aggressive coaching got to me as a kind of a uh, as kind of a teen and it was really tough and I took a little break for a while mm -hmm. so it's so funny when you mentioned being shy in grade school and PE being sort of this like way to feel comfortable it's funny because yeah. I had almost the polar opposite experience oh, I was super shy yeah but PE was actually like my hell um oh, and yeah. I actually think it comes down to probably my honestly the PE teachers I had in elementary school did not instill sure. a deep yeah. love of sport uh, or belonging yeah. in me in fact I think they were almost like of the maybe this is just like my age showing like they were almost of the like make people feel less than for yeah not, like being super into something yeah um, yeah and I had a few of those teachers for sure and I think it was you know sometimes then doing um maybe going into kind of like swimming and stuff where it was I was I was competing against myself instead of competing against other people um kind of connected with me a little bit more mm -hmm. um so yeah I think that that you know that's still to this day like I'll do group sports, but I definitely really enjoy like being on my own and, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. 
you know, training in a group setting, but then doing a race and just feeling the freedom of being on my own and competing with myself. Mm-hmm. Really big. Yeah. 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 So where did that go sort of after the like high school, college years? How did you shift into figuring out? Like, I find that that shift is always really difficult because yeah. almost everyone has like a sport they played in school. Yeah. But the actual transition to being an athletic adult is a tricky one. Yeah, I would say I probably fell out of sport for a little while. I, I was diagnosed with depression quite young. I was probably about 16 um, when I was diagnosed with depression. And um, at around the same time, I was struck on a crosswalk by a car. And um, that happened to me too when I was 18. Ugh. It's not fun. And no, no. And I um, had really hard time kind of, I think that my depression got worse. Um, I think I had a bit of a head injury from knocking my head back. And, you know, who knows if that has caused other issues too. But I think with the struggle of kind of constantly being in pain, not being able to do a lot of movement and then kind of, self-isolating and feeling even worse with my depression worsening I just ended up not um not doing movement for a while and I you know I look back and to this day you know I've had a few injuries where I realize sometimes to a point you need to push through a little bit and do a little bit of movement every day um you know, you get into that kind of depressive state or the state where you're feeling like you're in too much pain or fatigue to move and it just gets worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And just even getting up and walking around for maybe 10 minutes, you know, makes a huge difference. And I still kind of think about that to this day, if I have a kind of like not great week and I haven't moved as much thinking back to when I do move and the difference in my mental health on top of my physical health is huge. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you mentioned that because I actually have like a bit of a head cold right now. And my coach was like, oh, if you feel like anything this morning, like don't run. And I was like, the problem is if I don't run, it's going to feel worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, because now I feel you like-, like a little run, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So I like skipped all interval stuff and just kept it like super easy and it was totally fine. Yeah. But I was just like, oh my gosh, if I, if I had just like opted to not do it, I would have like spiraled myself into yeah. feeling much, much worse than I actually am. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah. yeah, like physically and mentally and emotionally, like it all just very quickly spirals yeah. when you're not doing any movement. Yeah. Um, and from there, you know, into my early twenties, not doing you know, doing a little bit, but not doing a ton of movement. I ended up getting into two back-to-back car accidents. Again, both rear enders, two people rear ended me. The first one was much more serious. The, this, the person rear ended me, they weren't paying attention and they were speeding. So they rear ended me at a quite high. Um, and so I had a lot of whiplash and spinal issues from that. And um, when I started doing my rehabilitation and um, going to physio and going to a rehab, uh, like movement specialist, I wasn't feeling a lot, um, a lot better. And I wasn't feeling like I was really improving. And I saw this 
um, in the same building, they had clinical Pilates. And I was like, hmm. And, you know, they, they talk about Pilates for dancers. And I used to dance when I was younger. And, you know, I looked at the machines and I thought it looked kind of cool. And with the clinical Pilates doing rehabilitation, I was, I got it covered from my ICBC claim, which was huge. Nice. Um, and I started going like twice a week, really religiously. It was like one-on-one with this trainer who I absolutely adored and, um, was probably partly a therapist as well <laughs> as, as an instructor, instructor. And that was the first time I really noticed a difference in my body. And the first time that I had felt sort of a real kind of, um, excitement for movement again, which sparked something in me. And so on top of starting to move again and starting to uh, delve into different movement practices, doing some outdoor swimming. Um, I thought, you know, I've always been good at swimming in a pool. Let's try open water swimming and, you know, a whole different ball game. Um, yep. And, and then from there going, maybe I'd like to teach some sort of movement. And so, you know, adding on to my movement practice, I went into um, getting certified as a Pilates instructor, both with Matt and with the apparatus reformer. Um, And that kind of just led into getting certifications in like everything. (laughs) Isn't it funny? You get one and it just, they just snowball for sure. And (laughs) I don't teach the Pilates at the moment with the reformer, but I use that teaching because it was very intense it was two years and you learned a lot about injuries and a lot about the body and I use that with every client that I work with now in anything so Mm -hmm. you know even though I'm doing you know I might be coaching boxing or strength and conditioning I still use the Pilates background immensely and that was you know true passion Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think you just, you learn so much from from doing those from doing the certifications, and then honestly from teaching. Like I yeah. can't believe like in like doing yoga teacher training and then teaching yoga. Like my ability to practice yoga is just so much better now, and just so much happier. Yeah, you're almost you almost kind of get um, you come, become more instinctual in your body. I find when you have that kind of teaching underneath you, cause you've just gained so much more knowledge. So you're mm-hmm. not just listening to someone else kind of tell you to go through the movements and tell you how you should feel in your body. You've kind of connected with how you should feel in your body yourself on your, on your own terms, not on the instructor or the teacher's terms. So it's a, exactly. yeah, it's a beautiful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think it's funny. It, I feel like it actually makes you more teachable as a result too. Yeah. Like I've done, you know, some cycling coaching courses and I would not say I am an amazing like bike skills coach by any stretch, but I think it's made it a lot easier for me to then go to courses and uh, actually like understand the skills and like understand what the coach is trying to, to get out. of Definitely. Yeah. And picking, you know, picking pieces out of one course and being able to use it for something else. Like I, I use some of the boxing kind of cues and stuff for maybe cueing something for yoga. Like it's just, it's very interesting. You know, you can use 
those types of move, movements for um, a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually found it really fun. I took a boxing class back in January and I couldn't believe the footwork was so similar to salsa dancing. Oh, <laughs> was, yeah. That, bringing that together. I was like, this is so much fun. I'm like dancing around. And they're like, uh, that's not exactly how you do it. Please stop. Uh, please stop adding that stuff. Don't do that. But I really enjoyed it. <laughs> some, uh, some great, great boxers um, currently and, you know, from many years ago, if they've had you know, dance experience in the past and that makes their footwork just that much better. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got you up to open water swimming. You're teaching, you've gotten the Pilates certification. What's, yeah. what's next on the, the sport docket? Um, so yeah, I was doing open water races for quite some time, um, mainly in the, in the, in the summer. Um, started running, doing more longer distance runs, like half marathons. And, um, for me, that was long enough. Um, that's, and that's long. All right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I recognize that I'm a weirdo who goes long, but like, I'm also like a hundred percent on the, no, anything yeah. over 5k is long. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. And I, we, I got into with a running group actually, and that was fun. I, I noticed I was dealing with more anxiety in my kind of mid late twenties and the running kind of helped. I think I calmed my mind. I could kind of think through things on those long runs. So, you know, if you're running for two hours, you know, you can kind of put, put stuff together, you know, and kind of think through something a little bit more in depth. Um, when you're just there on your own especially if you're not listening to music every time and I find like with a lot of sports people are listening to music and with with say running or something like swimming where you're not there's a little bit more of a meditative uh stance to it I think and I, I actually quite like that because you're really listening to your breath you're listening to your surroundings and then you're listening to yourself. You, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of get into quite a nice rhythm with just letting yourself kind of go with the, you know, the beat of your feet on the pavement or the, your strokes and your kicks. And then, you know, where does your mind go from there? Mm -hmm. and that's, that's a, well, that's a quite beautiful, I find it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to kind of like meditatively move. Yes, I couldn't agree more. It's funny. I was actually, normally I listen to podcasts when I run or music when I run because I run every day. Um, but then this past weekend, Peter and I were running together and he stopped off after 10 miles and I still had five to go. And I was like, oh crap, I left my phone at home because I was running with somebody. It just didn't even occur. Like I completely yeah. blanked on it. And I was like, oh no. And he's like, well, wait, do you want to use mine? I was like, I'm a big girl. I can handle like five miles without any music or podcast. It's going to be okay. And as I was running, I was like, oh, right. This is really nice. I need to do this more often. Yeah. <laughs> just see, yeah. Just even once in a while, like coming back, it's like coming back to the, the basics, coming back to the fundamentals of just like being with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Now on the mental emotional side, how do you find like the solo running versus the, like finding the running group? Cause I know, you know, different people have sort of different vibes with like, if they need the community or if they need the, the solo time or like a combination thereof. I like the combination. I think sometimes a running group is a great push for people and 
you, you do get to socialize if you're feeling, you know, a little bit, um, you know, maybe isolated. Um, and yeah, I think the put, I definitely think I run a bit faster in a group. Um, but I do love running on my own. I do love mm -hmm. being able to just go out when I want to and do my own run and be in my own kind of space. I think it depends how I feel. Um, some days I think being out with someone and either listening to someone talk or join in is great. And then other days I just can't think about being in a group setting. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like, let's, let's be real. The past couple of years has really made those running groups all the more like important yeah. when we're not in offices, we're not, you know, meeting up with people as, as often. Now we're finally getting back to like going out to restaurants yeah. and stuff, but like running was sort of like your only option yeah. for meeting up with people or like making yeah. friends for the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I don't know for me personally, like with my ups and downs with, you know, depression, I find sometimes I don't want to be around a ton of people because I feel like I'm feeling kind of low and isolated, but I can push myself to go out by myself. So like currently I'm in a bike riding group and last Saturday I was just like not feeling like I could join the group, but I went out for an hour and a half by myself. So it was, you know, I, I pushed myself to go out on my own and be able to do that. Um, so I did something. It was just, you know, sometimes being social doesn't work for me, but being out works for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now we've mentioned swimming, biking, and running. Does triathlon come into this at all or? Yeah, I would, well, triathlon came a bit later. I would say the, after, um, after running, probably I got into my yoga certification and then a little bit more strength and conditioning uh, certifications um, and then boxing came first. So talking to you about boxing, just finding out about this kind of four month training camp where you get to, uh, you know, it was raising money for charity and you got to do a, um, an amateur boxing uh competition at the end if, if you if you made it through all the training and it was crazy and I remember talking to a friend who had done it the year previously and I, I was kind of like oh you know like you know asking him questions but also sounding a little probably doubtful and going well yeah but you know but 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 and he goes Raina all I can say is it changed my life and that was all I needed and so when he told me that and I knew he knew me and knew kind of what I was going through, I was in a pretty dark place at that time. And yeah, I put my head down and did it. And, you know, it started out probably with about a hundred of us going into that first couple days of camp and trying doing tryouts. And I think we got down to about 40 at the end and pairing up kind of 40 people for doing 20 fights. And, um, it, it was, it was, it's exactly what he said. It was life-changing. Yeah. Okay. I love this because everything else like Pilates, yoga, like swimming, running, biking, like strength and conditioning, that's all sort of like our standard endurance athlete, but mm -hmm. then the boxing on top of it, I just freaking love. So, okay. Talk to me about that like first time in the gym. Like you're walking in, you've like decided you're gonna do it. First of all, like what like what 
other than like the life changingness of it, that's yeah. a terrifying thing, right? Like you're not yeah. just signing up to walk into a boxing class. You're signing up to potentially like fight someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, the f- f- I would say training was, was one aspect of it. And I would say the intense training and I, I would probably after that competition, I trained even more intensely for a while is some of the hardest training you'll ever do. I think being, you know, a boxer, you know, you're in the most shape that anyone can ever be. It's just like intense, intense training. And, um, yeah, so we did a lot of conditioning on top of doing skills. Um, and, uh, yeah, I probably, I was, heavier at the time for my kind of body um but I dropped about 15 pounds in two and a half months just training you know I didn't change anything else but yeah it was it was a it was a big big change for me kind of mentally and physically and I would say you know it was super scary because when we were training there were other you know, amateur boxers in there fighting. And it, it's, it's a definitely overwhelming experience. It's very, um, it, it's, I would say just the, the type of people in there can feel intimidating. Um, it's definitely male oriented. Um, it was nice to have more women in there for this competition. And some of the friends I made, you know, we have this different connection that I have with, with other friends because we've been in the ring together and we know that challenge that has come with it. And it's, it's rewarding, challenging, scary, all at the same time. Oh, so good. Um, And you mentioned weight. We've talked about this before, but I want to, I want you to tell this story about the the chalkboard with the weights and Mm -hmm. how that, how that like changed your relationship with, with that number, because I think this is just like the best thing in the world. And I want like anyone who's riding bikes because bikes, we have like power to weight is such a huge thing. Um, Especially with like now like Zwift and online e-racing has made it. So everyone knows your power to weight and it's a thing that's out there. So talk to me about that. (laughs) Well, i so I, I think just, you know, women compared to men in general, like we've just been so ingrained in our system with society and social media that, you know, weight is a big, you know, component of your belief system and, you know, how much you value yourself and including myself. And I was, definitely not feeling great about myself mentally or physically. I was heavier at the time and I was feeling, you know, not very confident and knowing that, you know, or not knowing when we got got in there that first day of kind of training and them asking you, are you in it? And, you know, I'm going, yeah. So they put you on the back of the board. They quickly take a uh, Polaroid of you. And the next day when I got into the gym, every single one of us is up on the gym board for anyone to see, not only just us, but like every single person walking in the gym was your name and your weight. And that was absolutely just like, I was like, what just freaked me out because I'd never been in a sport where 
yes, you need to be fit, but it wasn't, you weren't comparing yourself to anyone when it had to do with weight. And it, it freaked me out. And I think it freaked a lot of girls out. And there, there had been girls that opened up later that had had eating disorders or, you know, and, you know, it ended up as the comfort of the gym kind of changed over the kind of weeks and months, the comfort of knowing about your weight also changed. And so it was really interesting. It became a number that literally was just a number that we wanted to see if we could find someone kind of five to 10 pounds in our weight group that we could spar with. And it had nothing to do with anything else. It was just going with someone and that person might be like three inches taller and quite, you know, uh, slim, or they might be, you know, really muscly and shorter than you. Um, it had nothing to do with comparing. And so it was really, really interesting because, oh, <laughs> sorry, my co-host is on. <laughs> yes, the co-host. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it was just, it was, so, it was such a cool, um, it was a cool experience to realize that weight didn't have to be a value on, you know, your worth. It was just literally a number that we could kind of work off of. And a lot of times there weren't a lot of girls in the competition. So I would fight someone a lot lighter than me or a lot heavier. And we would just work on not beating the crap over each other, but work on actual skills. So we were working in skills in the ring because we were so off on weight. And, you know, I got paired with a girl that I ended up not competing. I had to find someone else at the very end to compete with because our weights were so off at the end because I had lost so much weight and that, but, and that was interesting too, because I did feel, I felt good in my skin for being lighter, but I didn't look at it as so much of a, a value to me anymore of like where my worth was. And I didn't ever look at someone who was heavier or lighter than me and think they were either better or worse than me. And I think sometimes if we, that negative self-talk that women have on their weight and their looks and their body dysmorphia that oh, many of us have, would you say that to your friend? Would you say that to your loved one? Because some of the great friends that I met sparring, I never, I'd never say or think that about them. And so it really gave me a different mindset on, you know, when I weigh myself, is it going to, ruin my day or am I gonna be able to move on and know that that's just a number and yeah. am I th thankful for more in life am I thankful for that I can move my body that I'm strong enough to lift something that I can still box and then I've gained a ton of self-confidence that's the important part mm -hmm. I love that because I think it's, it's just so interesting. The point about like not saying it to your best friend, like you actually literally got to see like, Oh, that's, that's this person who weighs the same as me. And I would never say this like horrible thing about them. Yeah. I'm thinking about myself at this exact same weight. Right. Such a, such yeah. an interesting thing. Um, the more I learn about boxing, I, I feel like the more intrigued I am. And I think what I also wanted to ask about is like boxing has sort of this very, as you pointed out, like very male centric, very like aggressive vibe to yeah. it. 
Yeah. Um, but whenever I hear people talk about it, it doesn't really seem like that. So yeah. is that like aggressive mentality really there? Or is that just like this kind of made up thing? Or how does that, how does that work? I think like the aggressive mentality can be there. And when you look at the professional fights and stuff, there's a lot of ego involved and there's a lot of, but there's also, that's also really built up. That's built up for, I think, you know, for the media builds it up and we want to, you know, get characters now in, in, on, uh, in the ring. And, you know, there's lots of, uh, lots of characters in MMA and in boxing. And I think that kind of goes to the popularity of it. But at the end of the day, to me, if you're fighting angry, you're rarely going to win a fight. You can't win a fight angry. And I've seen amateur and professional fights where someone's gotten angry and they tend, they lost. And I, you know, it's such a moving chess game to me of boxing that you you're constantly moving, but you have to be thinking you know, ahead of the game and kind of wondering, thinking of what your opponent's doing and counteracting that right away. You know, your opponent hits you, you got to come back right after you got to move around, you got to step around, you got to be moving all the time and moving chess is kind of how I think about it. Or we used to say, like I say to clients who are learning combos, like I call it boxing mass. They're like, Oh, this is so, you know, like it, you constantly thinking, constantly thinking you can't be in a kind of state where you're not you know moving your body and your mind Mm -hmm. so I you know if you're if you've got and I I believe like I got through a lot of internal kind of issues through boxing um I don't I'm not a like a big crier and I don't kind of open up a lot and I would say those like four months of training I cried and opened up to more of my coaches than I ever have in my whole entire life. So it was so interesting what it brought. And, you know, it brought this kind of more, maybe, um, you know, what some people would say is that, you know, weak quality. I think I really opened up and I grew strength out of that. And so, you know, being able to kind of cry in front of people and being able to, you know, talk to people about how you're feeling about your emotions that was really tough for me and I hadn't really done it before. And that was my first kind of awakening to being able to trust people with um, talking about some of my hardships and, you know, some of the struggles that I've had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah even, even just like a little bit of boxing stuff I've done, it's made me realize like there's, there's no room for kind of standoffishness or like not no. just like getting right into it when you're, pretty much like hugging someone or punching them in the face (laughs) yeah oh my god and such a especially at the beginning it's such a fight or flight and you know your body your head's in there going okay I know what I'm doing I'm supposed to be fighting I'm supposed to be hitting this person I'm supposed to be moving around I'm supposed to be thinking of these combos that my coach is yelling at me and your body's going move get out of the way move your head like get your head don't and you know, as you learn, you learn to relax your body, you learn to lean forward and you lean into it. And I can say that about life that sometimes when you're the, you know, stuff's getting hard and you're leaning away from it and you're trying to run, the best thing to do is to lean into it. And can you Mm -hmm. face it head on? And boxing taught me that. And that's, that was huge. Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting. As just even as you were saying the the word body and everybody, it's just bringing me back to thinking about we have this big thing in cycling right now that like every body is a cyclist's body. And I think boxing actually really underscores that point so beautifully where you were mentioning like, you know, you did lose weight and you got in like the best shape from conditioning and stuff. But I mean, there are so many boxers, like heavyweight is a class for a reason. (laughs) Heavyweight boxers look like they don't look like they're, they, they don't look like anything to write home about in like, you know, if you were in a different sport, they would look completely out of shape, but those guys are conditioned. It's just, it's also a lot of your anatomy, right? Like how your body, you know, some of these guys look super, super built. And then other guys are just, they, they're big, they're big guys. They kind of like yeah. look like linebackers, you know, like a football and I love, linebacker. I love that. Like, I love yeah. the boxing, like has leaned into that. And instead yeah. of saying that everyone has to be this, like, like middleweight or lightweight or whatever we're saying yeah. like, no we'll just have different weight classes for it and like yeah each one is like their own you know level of like conditioned and stuff and I think that's just like the coolest I wish cyclists could kind of like also like acknowledge that yeah <laughs> I mean in a lot of professional sports and boxing included like you know it can get dangerous with weight because people will move weight classes and you aren't usually living at your fighting weight. So, Mm -hmm. you know, especially, you know, I, I don't know. I personally think it's harder on women with our, you know, our bodies and our anatomy and our reproductive to like be dropping weight for a fight and then, you know, coming back out of it. Um, it's hard on guys too. I think it's a bit easier for them, but sometimes they're dropping like 20, 30 pounds, you know, for a fight and it's, it's hard on your body. It's, it's really hard. And, and, Mm -hmm. and it goes into your mental state too. And sometimes when you're dropped too much weight, your fight's not great. And you can see that. And you know, that's with other sports too, competitive sports, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. but weight, weight's a really important thing with boxing. Yeah. It's funny with, uh, I kind of, I got to have the reverse of my hundred miler because like my friends Mm. who've done them before were like, no, like you need to get fluffy before your race. (laughs) Right. It's actually like Mm. this very odd thing of like trying to actually like pack on an extra couple pounds the weeks before, which let me tell you way more fun than. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, your first fight. Um, and I mean, any subsequent fights, cause I think it's very easy to talk about boxing and, you know, in my, my limited opinion, like experience with it, it's very, you know, in, in a class against the heavy bag, like mm. sparring with someone in the ring, very different situation. How mm. was that, uh, that first fight? And I mean, just how did that feel? Cause I mean, you were a competitive swimmer. It's not like you've had this like yeah. huge background in ultra aggressive sports. I, I felt really good. I sometimes kind of, I I definitely, the adrenaline was going, I fed off the night. There was like quite a big crowd. Like we had a crowd watching us. Like we had it at, um, we had a big kind of production going. It, it, it was a long day. Like you have your weigh-ins. We had our weigh-ins that morning. And then, you know, the doctor, like it's a full, um, you know, amateur fight with BC boxing and everyone's, um, you know, the judges are there, the doctors are there checking you over and everything. And, um, you know, by the time my fight came, my adrenaline was up. 
I think I was overly confident, which was interesting. I, I had probably listened to the coaches that um, the girl I was fighting had stopped training earlier on. And when she found out she was getting a fight with me, she started training again, but that kind of made me go, Oh my God, I'm like, I got this in the bag. Um, I felt conditioned wise. I felt great. Like I was not tired at all, which was crazy. Um, I, I felt good. I was very in the zone. I had no idea what people were saying or coaches were yelling at me. I was too in the zone. My learning experience from it, I thought I won and I didn't. And I remember at the end, a couple of the coaches were like, oh, that was a really weird uh, judging call. And, and I was super upset. I was like really upset in the, in the back. I wasn't upset like in front of people, but I was super upset. I was like crying. And I just felt, I felt like I had like, um, I felt like my loss was a bigger loss in the fact that I had disappointed my coaches that the win, I put a lot on winning. Like I had made a big deal that winning was going to, you know, prove a lot. And it took a long time, I'd say like four or six months for me to look back and realizing that losing was probably the best thing that could have happened because I learned a lot from that and learned that, you know, my coaches still cared about me and thought of me as a great person. And it, it, it wasn't about the win or loss and gave me probably a little bit more kind of hunger to go back in again. You know, which is interesting because, uh, you know, judging boxing is always crazy. It's up in the air. I think it's not the same with other sports, but where there's like a definite, you know, win or lose. Um, but I, yeah, you know, I, I look back and I think I probably learned a lot from, from losing instead of winning. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the same kind of feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think after winning one, I'd be tempted to walk away like undefeated. I'm out. <laughs> totally. Well, the cha- the challenge, I think, and that's something that's just kind of like in me is, you know, like I've done this, I need to challenge myself again. And I've kind of done that now with a lot of kind of with swimming races, with boxing, um, with doing my kind of first triathlon and first fondo is just trying a new sport out and pushing myself to my limit, which, you know, is, is huge for me because I've realized over the years that for me, I love like setting goals is the best thing I can do for myself, for my mental health and my physical is setting goals and, and really kind of pushing towards them because I get up and I have kind of a purpose every day. It's not just going to work and, you know, doing, you know, whatever and hanging out with my friends, but I feel like I have this extra purpose and, you know, with that was huge for boxing. And now it's just become kind of a a second thing to me. And, you know, I have ebbs and flows where, you know, I have no goals over maybe over the winter or something, but, you know, I, I actually looked back this year and go, I haven't set a goal in a while. I think that's something that I need to do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, practical level, first fight, throwing your first punch with the intent of punching someone. Because I feel yes. like there's a difference between sparring, punching the heavy bag, and then actually being in the ring, buzzer going, and like 
holy crap, I'm going to try to hit this person in the face. How do you do it? Okay. So when you're throwing pat, so, and I, I think people get confused, like sparring is when you're in the ring and you are hitting someone. So you do practice sparring, but you're usually in a ring and you're one-on-one with someone. If you're throwing pads with someone, you're just holding pads, you know, sp- sparring ends up being like, you have to get like a doctor's note and you have to, like, you can't just get thrown in there on like your first or second class. Like sparring kind of comes after a while. Like we definitely didn't get thrown into sparring right away. Um, but you know, when you're hitting the bag and when you're doing pads with someone and hitting the pads, and then when you go in and you're, yeah, the feeling of kind of, I think the first time I went in and hit someone, it didn't feel great. Like it was like, "Mm, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And then when I, especially as women, we've been like kind of taught our entire lives. Like you don't hit (laughs) like number one rule in the household. And getting hit, it doesn't feel good. And so the first thing you do is you kind of jerk back, you turn your head, you end up looking away from your opponent, which is the worst thing you can do. And your whole, you know, your form's off. But you're, you know, like, yeah, it's that fight or flight of hitting and being hit is like, ooh, I gotta like run away. Like this isn't, this doesn't feel good. By the time you've probably sparred at least a few times with some people. So by the time you, I got to the fight, I was excited to hit someone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it felt like I was, I was competitive. I was ready to like, uh, yeah, I was ready to hit someone. Yeah. Yeah. No, no which just, just sounds like- crazy. No, I just like, I can't actually imagine it. Like, I think that would actually be my biggest thing if I, you know, decide to continue with this whole pursuing boxing that I keep saying I'm going to do. That's going to be my toughest part is like the actual hitting with the intent of hitting. Yeah. (laughs) Just like tapping. Yeah. Which is my tendency. Well, and yeah. And like, you know, like hitting someone and actually like not, not catching their gloves. So you're hitting them in the face. That's how you're getting your points. So you know, the more you're hitting someone, you're more, the more you're throwing punches and landing them, the more points you're getting from the judges. So it turns into this kind of like, mm, I'm not trying to hurt this person as much as I'm trying to get my points, but in that practice, you are hurting someone. Yeah. 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 Okay. You've mentioned the getting hit part. And I mean, all of just like the grueling, like, I mean, boxing, again, it's not just like this fun, like, ah, yes, I'm just going to like go throw a few punches and be done. It's like an exhausting uh, practice. What does recovery look like? Do you have any good tips on like dealing with bruising or even just like, do you do ice baths? Do you, how has yoga played into this? Like what's your recovery situation? (laughs) Arnica helped a little bit for like facial bruising. Um, I broke my rib once I got punched and hit, got my rib broken. So I did Arnica with that um and because I trained kind of two weeks into it before I x-rayed my rib so (laughs) I was like yeah it it's I would say taking that rest day is really important like I like to do and I do that whether I'm boxing or not whether I'm weight training or biking I usually try and do like Sunday where the only movement I'm doing is walking getting my steps in but I think yeah I did a lot of Epsom salt baths um 
and definite rest for sure. Like having a one rest day was great. And also like fueling yourself, like nutrition is huge, huge. And, um, I've, I've done a nutrition course now too, uh, partly cause I was interested in, it and partly I wanted to teach people. And I have worked with some boxers because fueling yourself, not only like up into a fight, but just during your practices is super, super important to get the best out of what, you know, you are as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So it has to be fueling really consciously during your practices and then really carefully fueling before a fight. If you have to stay at a weight, knowing how to like cut your calories with, but keeping really nutrient dense foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Love it. Um, and okay. You mentioned cycling and fonders and stuff. How has the cycling journey been? How do the two sort of play? Do they play well, well with each other? Or? Yeah. I met, I mentioned to you that like I had always done running and swimming and I always wanted to do a triathlon and after boxing, it gave me the confidence to go, Oh my God. Okay. I want to do a triathlon. I'm like, I was so nervous to clip in on a, on a road bike. And I have no, I don't know. I just thought I'm going to crash. I'm going to like totally hurt myself. And then since boxing, I'm like, it can't be worse than (laughs) if I fall. I mean, is it going to be like, you know, anyway, so it gave me the confidence to go, let's try it. And I signed up for um, a biking club and actually bike there in my runners and she looked at me and was like did you bring clip-ins and I'm like yeah they're in my backpack and she's like put them on and I'm like okay and that was eight that was like April and then I did my first triathlon in August the Olympic uh Vancouver um Olympic course and then um or Olympic length and then four days later did the Whistler Fondo. So it was like, you know, within four months of me learning to clip in, I was intensively riding and doing, I did a couple Fondos actually that year, but Whistler was just like a highlight of mine and having that as a goal of being like, not only am I going to ride, but I want to ride well. And I want to be able to like do a race. And yeah, that's been, that's been huge. So I think during the pandemic, not having the competitions and sort of the races has been hard because I do like training for something that gives me a little bit of like a, you know, a goal. So Mm -hmm. I'm sort of, I'm excited for this year to see kind of what comes. I'm, I told my uh, boss uh, that I am wanting to do a swim race again this year. So I have a goal of swimming, doing the Bay to Bay challenge, which is uh, West Vancouver to Kitsilano through the shipping channels, about 10 kilometers. Um, yeah. And you have to, you get a, you have a boat by you, but you have to go at a fairly good pace because you have to pass a shipping channel by a certain amount of time. So that's sort of my goal for this summer. If I can do it, it's in August. Um you know, I feel like when I tell people, it gives me that little bit more to be like, okay, I'm going to do it. So, Oof. yeah. Oof. Open water, actually. Yeah, maybe maybe we can kind of like, as we're starting to wrapping up here, uh, give us a couple tips for open water swimming, because I know myself and every other triathlete I've met uh, have struggled with the open water swim portion much more than we struggle with any other part. 
yeah, it's, it's kind of, I notice, and especially in races, when you're starting out fast and you're kind of trying to catch your breath as you're breathing through the water, it's that first five or 10 minutes of like pushing through that uncomfortable feeling like you're going to hyperventilate and like hitting the cold and like feeling like your face is like freezing and also feeling like you're going to be out of breath and you can't like catch your breath until you get into that momentum within kind of like 10 minutes and then you kind of get your rhythm through I find is the hardest challenge and I've swam in freezing cold water and had my like face like it, I was just in absolute pain and thinking I was going to hyperventilate to like swimming in super warm water thinking I was going to get eaten by a shark like there's always fears <laughs> um and it's uh yeah the, a lot of times a lot of the water you can't see. So sighting is a really, it's really hard. Like, right. You're kind of swimming in darker waters and you're sighting and you can't see much. So it's a lot of fear based. And I think, um, it's, it's a super, super challenging sport, way different than the pool. Um, and I would say it's like pushing out of that comfort zone and realizing that, it won't last that uncomfortable feeling won't last. And like, that's sort of something in life, right? Like this too shall pass. It's like that feeling like you're going to like hyperventilate and die will pass. (laughs) My big thing is just like there are zombies on the bottom. And once that gets in my head, uh, it's just all over. It's not great. (laughs) Always thinking of sharks behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Sharks, snakes, zombies, it's all yeah. it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. I mean, obviously I could talk to you all day. We might have to have you back on because you have so yeah. many different sports uh expertise here. Um, but before we wrap up, where can everyone find you and sort of follow along with any exploits? Yeah, I mean, I'm mainly Instagram and Facebook. Uh Instagram verena.lee v-e-r-e-n-a dot l-e-i-g-h thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast if you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book becoming a consummate athlete over at consummateathlete.com questions or comments find us over on instagram at consummate athlete and we will see you next week